0: When it comes to overall depth... It is clear that the quarterback position is the deepest one on South Carolina's football team. You are locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Line, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank you so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available both wherever you get your audio podcasts daily and also on YouTube. We are in the middle of talking season now because... It is early July, SEC media days is coming up in just about a week and a half or so, and in less than, I believe, two months now, the Gamecocks will be kicking off the 2023 season against the North Carolina Tar Heels. So at this point in the offseason, I want to start doing a little bit more of a deep dive into this roster. What South Carolina has that they are bringing onto the football field for this upcoming fall And so on today's show, I want to discuss the depth of some of these different position groups. And when looking at South Carolina's football roster in its entirety, Spencer Rattler and the Gamecocks quarterback room are the deepest position group on this roster. Now I'm going to go through a full ranking of all these position groups throughout today's show, but let's start off with the quarterback room. Why is the quarterback room the deepest group on this team? Well, first of all, this is a position group that legitimately goes four deep. You do not see this very often at the quarterback position for any major college football program. Typically, only the best of the best, like maybe the Georgia Bulldogs, have this kind of situation. But South Carolina, I think, has got the same thing going for them in terms of depth. They've got two quarterbacks in this group that have superstar ceilings, in my opinion. And those two guys are Spencer Rattler and Lenore Sellers. But they've also got two other guys and Luke Doty and Tanner Bailey, who can be all SEC caliber quarterbacks if they are in the right set of circumstances. You've got two quarterbacks in Spencer Rattler and Luke Doty that have accumulated a lot of experience throughout their college careers to this point. And you've also got two young bucks in Lenore Sellers and Tanner Bailey who bring different yet quality skill sets to the field along with a willingness to go to work every single day. And when breaking down the skill sets of all of these guys, again, they all offer something different to the football field or to this offense. Spencer Rattler, he can make any off-platform throw from any arm angle that he throws the football from. He is truly a one-percenter in terms of that trait Luke Doty can make defenses pay for discounting his running ability he's one of the best athletes at the quarterback position that South Carolina has seen in a pretty good while Tanner Bailey he can operate out of play action plays and he can put touch on intermediate and deep passes and the North Sellers well he's just quite frankly a unicorn at the quarterback position who can scramble, he can throw it on the run, he can throw just absolute bombs down the field, and he can also drop it in the bucket by putting some touch on his passes. So all in all, Safcon's quarterback room, it is the deepest position group on this entire football team. Now, let's start going through the rest of these position groups. The second deepest position unit on Safcon's roster, in my opinion is the defensive tackle position. I know it's not the sexy answer, maybe, but just hear me out real quick. This is a group that has a variety of skill sets, and it goes three deep at both tackle spots. Again, like the quarterback position, you don't see this happen very often at the defensive tackle spot. But when looking at this group, you've got four athletic potential game-wrecker players, Tonka Hemingway and Elijah Davis are both versatile pieces that can be effective in both pass rush and rush defense. T.J. Sanders has a nightmarish combination of both a high motor and also is able to seamlessly move both downhill and sideline to sideline on the football field. And Xavier McLeod, he currently looks like the next Zach Pickens on this defensive line, but with even more of a quick twitch when firing off the line of scrimmage. That's a pretty scary thought right there. They've also got a very leader in Alex Bookie Huntley who does all the little things right and a big body who can disrupt the inside run game for an opposing offense in Nick Barrett. So again, the defensive tackle position group got a variety of skill sets and a bunch of guys that can do different things on the football field. The third deepest position unit on South Carolina's roster For me, I'm going to go with the linebacker position, and I've got sort of the same reasoning as I had with the defensive tackle group. This is a position unit that has got varying skill sets and strength in numbers in terms of the amount of guys I think can contribute to this defense. In terms of the skill sets, this position group has got two downhill rush defenders in Debo Williams and Stone Blanton. Debo Williams, we talked about this before, he could be shot out of a cannon when he decides to go and make his move on an opposing quarterback or opposing ball carrier. And Stone Blanton, he could do the same thing, and he also has a little bit of that sideline-to-sideline ability where he can chase down opposing ball carriers as well. And he's a guy that works very hard in the weight room and in the film room, so he's somebody that is just a flat-out go-getter both on and off the football field. This unit also has two balanced linebackers who can beat downhill backers, but also move sideline to sideline and even stay back in coverage. Those two guys are Mohamed Kappa and Grayson Pup Howard. And I think that that's going to be a good. Duo right there because Kaba has a ton of experience. Pop Howard is again the young buck guy that's going to be probably a future captain of this defense, but he's got to learn from somebody. Muhammad Kaba can be that guy, and then you got three edge rusher types out of this group, or three guys that would fit really well in blitz packages, and those guys are Gerard Willis, Donovan Westmoreland, and Bam Martin Scott. I think Bam Martin Scott personally doesn't get talked about enough. Donovan Westmoreland is also tapped underrated, and Gerard Willis. Probably one of the least talked about transfer pickups this offseason, yet he was a pretty highly rated four-star coming out of high school. So this position unit offers a lot more potential, in my opinion, than the fans and people outside of South Carolina's fan base are giving them credit for. So look out for this linebacker unit, because I think that it's got a lot of depth. And unlike maybe years past, this is no longer a position group where it just one or two guys get hurt. Then you've got to sit there and start to shudder and think to yourselves, "Oh, we're in trouble here." That's no longer the case at the linebacker spot. Is it quite as good as it could be? Not yet, but you still got quality players at this position, and that's why I ranked them third on my list. Now, in just a couple moments, we're going to continue going through my ranking. I got six more position groups that I want to talk about on today's edition of the Lockdown On Gamecocks podcast. But before we dive into the rest of those position groups, I want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Major League Baseball has reached the halfway point of the regular season, and right now, you can take your first swing at betting on MLB games on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 End bonus bets, win or lose. Ellie De La Cruz has been phenomenal to watch with the Cincinnati Reds. And in my opinion, he could be a pretty decent candidate to win the Nationally Rookie of the Year award. And his odds are currently listed at plus 650 behind Corbin Carroll's minus 650 odds. In this category. If you think LA De La Cruz could win National League Rookie of the Year, then go sign up on FanDuel right now. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Lockdown On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, let's continue going through my ranking of which position groups have the most depth on South Carolina's football team. We talked about the top three position groups in the first portion of the show, so let's pick things up with number four on my list, where I have the tight end position group. Trey Knox and Joshua Simon are both all SEC caliber tight ends. Trey Knox is more so that extra receiver that you could put out there on the football field. Quite literally was converted from wide receiver to tight end during his time at Arkansas. And he could be a big red zone threat for Spencer Rattler this season. Joshua Simon, he's a little bit more of that traditional tight end. He's got more of a balanced skill set where he could be an extra receiver just like Trey Knox. But he also can serve as an extra blocker in the offensive backfield as somewhat of an H-back. Someone lined up offset from the offensive line and everybody else like the quarterback and running back. Now, what keeps this position group from being higher on my list? Well, in my opinion, there's a drop-off in this group after Joshua Simon because Nick Elksness, he's mainly a blocking specialist and a special teams guy. I'm sure that he could, of course, make an impact in this offense, but I just don't see him as having Quite the same impact as Nate Atkins did in 2022. At least not in 2023. There's also a complete lack of college experience at the bottom of this position group. With guys like Reed McKeska, Connor Cox, Cameron Sandlin, Maurice Brown Jr., Maurice Brown II, and Lucas Vase. None of these guys have played a college snap. None of them have even appeared for a college game. They're all true freshmen. So, yeah. There's a really big drop-off in terms of maybe college readiness with this group, which is why I have the tight end position unit at number 4. At number 5, I've got the defensive secondary for South Carolina. I decided for time's sake not to split this one up between cornerbacks and safeties, but to dive into why I have this position unit slotted here. They returned six players with starting experience, including two freshman All-Americans and Nick Evan, Worry, and DQ Smith, and an All-SEC Caliper cornerback in Marcellus Dial. This group also has two veteran defensive backs returning in David Spaulding and O'Donnell Fortune, who have played a lot of snaps. And this isn't even including some highly touted backups and newcomers in this position group. In guys like Keenan Nelson Jr., Kawan Banks, Vakari Swain, Jalon Kilgore, and perhaps the biggest wild card out of this group... In D'Angelo Gibbs. Now, why do I have the defensive secondary slotted here? Some of y'all may be thinking, well, you seem to like this group a lot. Why don't you have them higher? Well, there's a lack of room production behind the likely starting group out of this position unit. Plus, just simply based on the numbers, it's rare to say that defensive backfield is one of the deepest areas on a football team because we Talk about going two deep and three deep at certain position groups. You just don't see many secondaries going completely two deep or three deep. This one, it's about as deep as you can get in terms of numbers, but again, still lacks proven experience in that second string unit that we'll likely see this fall. Now, at number six, I feel like I'm going to catch a little bit of flack for this, but I've got South Carolina's wide receiver unit slotted here. Now, the Gamecocks... Undoubtedly, have a bona fide number one wide receiver in Antoine Juice Wells, along with, in my opinion, two all SEC caliber receivers in Xavier Laquette and Eddie Lewis, guys that can finish maybe second, third, or fourth team on the all SEC list after the regular season. And that doesn't even include two burners that this group has in Amarian Brown and Nicholas Harper. So, Why is it that I slotted South Carolina's wide receiver unit at number 6 in terms of depth? Well, here's the thing. Behind the first three receivers that I mentioned here, I have got multiple questions about this group. Amari Brown, let's be honest, he has a very specific skill set at the wide receiver position, and in my opinion, he just doesn't add a new dimension to this offense. Nicholas Harper, again athletic as can be more athletic than probably anybody on that entire campus, but he's never played wide receiver full time in his football career. And he's going to need some time to adjust to the college game. And after the first five wide receivers, all the guys I've talked about to this point, there is a real drop off, both in terms of maybe long-term potential and especially proven production so if you have a couple guys get hurt at this position group then the wide receiver unit all of a sudden is going to be in some trouble that's why i slot them at number six on my list now number seven i have the edge rusher position group now why do i rank this group so low well again there's a lack of proven depth at this position or a lack of proven production i should say George Stride is coming off of a torn ACL for the second time in his career. And we just don't know what we're going to get out of him when he comes back this fall. Terrell Dawkins, he also missed most of last season with injuries. So again, we know he could do well against ACC-level competition. What about SEC-level competition? We didn't really get that chance to see that last year. Jatayus gear again, we know he could do well in the ACC, but... He's never faced SEC competition. That's going to include a bit of a learning curve in terms of how he's got to attack offensive linemen in this league. Desmond Melo Zulu, uber-talented, but he's a true freshman. Never played a collegiate snap. He is going to need time to adjust to the game at the college level. Brian Thomas Jr., he played very sparsely last season. However, he had a really solid performance in the Garden Black Spring game. The question with him is, is that going to carry over to the fall or was that just sort of maybe a one-off or maybe a game where, you know, we shouldn't be taking too much away from his performance. We're not going to find out until the 2023 season actually gets underway. So for all those reasons, I've got the edge position slot number seven here to wrap things up real quickly. At number eight, I got the running back position. Why is this group rate so low? Y'all have heard me say this ad nauseum by this point in the offseason, if you've been listening and watching this show consistently, uh, there's no standout back from this group in my opinion. As I've said multiple times, they've got plenty of nice pieces, but there's not sort of that number one caliber back, that lead back that they have in that group right now. We could be wrong about that, obviously, but right now, uh, just a lot of questions specialized skill sets that you're hoping to maybe conjure some sort of running game out of. You're hoping one of those guys is going to step up, but you just don't know who. And that's not a good thing for the running back spot in this offense. So I got them slide 8th, which leaves the last position group that I'd get to talk about at number 9, which is the offensive line position group. Why do I have this offensive line group rated dead last in terms of depth on this roster? Well, I'm going to be brutally honest here. The talent in this group is flat out lacking right now. Recruiting is slowly but surely going to completely flip the narrative with this position unit, but it's not going to happen overnight. You bring in Marquis Anderson, Olajson Babalade, Trevon Baugh, and Jatavius Shivers for the 2023 cycle. That's a really good group right there. 2024, you got Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson, and Blake Franks that are all going to be joining this program as long as things just pan out for the rest of the cycle, of course. But Pringle Thompson, they can't come to campus right now. And so you've got to play with what you've got right now. And for 2023, if I'm being completely honest here, you can count on one hand how many linemen from this group might be consistently reliable for Dow Loggins, Spencer Rattler, and this entire offense in 2023. I'm not going to name names because I'm not trying to disparage anybody. But again, I just feel like that, quite frankly, there's a lot of guys that, especially maybe if they were starting, they would be out of their realm in this league. So we'll see what happens here. But I just don't like where this offensive line group currently is in terms of overall depth right now. So those are my overall thoughts on the depth for each of South Carolina's position groups. On their football team for 2023. All righty. Now let's switch gears from talking about South Carolina's current football roster to someone that could potentially join the team at the end of the 2024 recruiting cycle. And that recruit that I'm referring to is 2024 defensive back prospect, Jalewis Solomon. Jalewis Solomon is one of the biggest targets currently remaining on the defensive side of the ball for this recruiting cycle. Now, just yesterday, Jalewis Solomon announced that his commitment date is Saturday, August the 5th. So, it's not going to be very long until Jalewis Solomon makes his college decision decision. And the thing is, while he released a top 5 just a couple days ago, this recruitment is primarily down to South Carolina and the Florida State Seminoles. Both of these schools have hosted him more than any other school throughout this current calendar year. And so, it's pretty clear that following the visits that the Gamecocks and the Seminoles, those are the two teams to watch heading into the home stretch of Julius Solomon's recruitment. He took an official visit to both programs who reportedly took the lead for his services after each of those visits. South Carolina, I believe, got him on the very first weekend of June, June 2nd through the 4th, I want to say. And Sullivan hinted that the Gamecocks were leading after that. And then he visits Florida State on the weekend of June 23rd through the 25th. And he subsequently turns around and tells the Seminoles that they lead his recruitment. So it's pretty clear and evident that it is neck and neck between South Carolina and Florida State. There are plenty of things that Julius Solomon likes about both programs. Now, here's where things get really interesting if you're a South Carolina fan here. In this interview that Julius Solomon did with ON3's National Director of Recruiting, Chad Simmons, that was released publicly as an article yesterday, Solomon told Chad Simmons that he... Plans to make one more visit before he makes his college decision. Where is he going? Well, Jalewis is going to visit South Carolina one more time. He's going to be in Columbia on July the 28th, and that is the same weekend that South Carolina will be having their summer cookout event, which is an event where they host a bevy of their top targets from not just a 2024 class. But also, mainly, the 2025 and some of the 2026 recruiting classes. Some underclassmen who have heavy mutual interest in South Carolina's football program. But rising seniors, or 2024 guys in this case, they are also permitted to come as well. So, I cannot stress enough how important of an update this is for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. The fact that South Carolina is going to be the team that gets the last say. That's going to have their last chance. The last chance to make an in-person pitch to Julius Solomon for why he should come to their program, you cannot put any sort of value on that. You cannot put any number on that. That is a huge deal without a question. And here's something to think about or here's something that I want to eliminate from this thought process. I know that there is occasions where certain prospects will actually take visits to a bevy of different schools. And at some point throughout those visits, they make their mind up on where they actually want to go. So what happens is they end up still going through with their other visits to these other schools that they're not going to end up attending. But what they do is they end up secretly trying to recruit other prospects. I know some of y'all might be upset with me right now for even trying to plant that kind of seed of potential doubt in your head. But hear me out. I don't think that that is the case here. I do not think that Julius Solomon is going to try to use this visit to talk to other prospects. I really and genuinely believe that Julius Solomon is taking this visit because he still needs a little bit more clarity on his final decision that he's going to make and that, quite frankly, he hasn't made a decision yet. If you had to say right now or ask the question, which one of these teams leads for Solomon's pledge at the end of the day at this very moment would probably say Florida State and they just got the last visit but again this is why Gamecock fans should be optimistic in my opinion because he said that South Carolina was his leader or hinted at that after his official visit on the weekend of June the 2nd through the 4th he does the same thing with Florida State on the last weekend of June the last full weekend of June So now he's going to come back to South Carolina on July 28th. There's going to be plenty of prospects there. I am sure that there's going to be some commitments that are going to be hanging out at this cookout they are going to try to get in the ear of Julius Solomon and any other guys who are heavily considering South Carolina, of course. So my overall point is, it seems like that Julius Solomon has gone back and forth a lot. And when he goes to a school in person, it just reminds him why he loves that school so much to the point where he ends up deciding after the fact that, you know, that is the school. It's the freshest on his mind. And I think that that could end up being what helps South Carolina win this recruiting battle at the end of the day. Again, I would still say right now, Florida State, they could probably feel a little bit more confident in their standing compared to South Carolina, but the Gamecocks are by no means out of this. And in my opinion, They've got a golden opportunity to, again, prove why Shane Beamer is a closer when it comes to the recruiting trail, why he has won so many battles for big time blue chip prospects in his first couple years at South Carolina. A golden opportunity here for the Gamecocks. No question about that. Can they take advantage of it? We'll, of course, find out when Julius Sullivan makes his eventual commitment on August the 5th this next month but with that being said y'all that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always what were your thoughts on my ranking regarding which position groups are the deepest on South Carolina's football roster do you think that I got it right or do you think that I was way off what would your personal ranking be and what are your thoughts on Julius Solomon taking one more visit to South Carolina before he makes his final decision let me know your thoughts on both of those topics down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube. Or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A line underscore SC, and I'll try to respond to you as quickly as I see it. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's edition of the Lifetime Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Thursday. And I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast.